Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, Lessons You Can't Learn in School. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis. I appreciate you taking a listen today. In entrepreneurship, being an authority, being visible, being thought of as an expert is one of the more important things you can do. You can have a great product, you can have a great service, you can be very well liked, but if people can see you as that authority, that expert, it makes them much more willing to want to do business with you and to do business in their head even before you formalize an agreement. And one of the key ways to do that is by writing a book. And today we're gonna talk about how you get to write a book, what goes into it, what the positioning is, what the model is, and what the support system is for you. Today's guest, Pat Iyer, has written over 50 books. She's helped people write books as a ghostwriter, a copywriter, and as a, a thought partner, getting that book, getting that story out of you. You can find out more about her through this interview, but also at her website, patiyer.com. That's patiyer.com. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Fascinating lady on how she went from a million dollars in debt, almost lost everything, to building a business as a nurse and where it came from and how a book was supportive there and now how she helps entrepreneurs today. Hope you enjoy the interview. Appreciate your time. And thanks as always for being here. As entrepreneurs, we're used to the ups and downs of the days, ups and downs of the years, the roller coaster that our business adventure, our business journey can put us on. And we're going to learn a really interesting path, a great story from a, an entrepreneur who did all of the right things, made the right decision, but it didn't turn out as planned. She was able to recover, continue on with her business, sell that business, and now helps entrepreneurs in their passions, their dreams, and getting their message out. Pat Iyer, thanks for joining today on the Entrepreneur's MBA. Thank you, Adam. I'm so glad to be here. You're very welcome. I look forward to the story. We talked a little bit the other day just about making a gut decision that you knew in your heart to be right. Uh, but how did you get to that path? Because you didn't start as starting your own business. You worked in other ways. Why start a business and what was your journey to get there? I started a business because I wanted to be in charge of my destiny. And I think your show is aptly named it's for entrepreneurs, and they get their MBA from the, the School of Hard Knocks. We all realize if we're paying attention, I say, that you can learn from your lessons. My husband and I borrowed a million dollars in 1980 and signed a personal guarantee. And I'm assuming that all of your listeners know what that means. I didn't know what it was when the lawyer sat us down and said, if you sign this piece of paper, everything that you own could be taken if you default on the loans. And we borrowed this million dollars so my husband could start a welding business and a business that would create parts for plastic extrusion machines. We borrowed that money when the interest rate was 24% a month. There was no way we could ever pay that back, but we didn't realize that at the time. The business failed in two years and as a result of that, we then had a visit from the bank. 
when I was five months pregnant, they came into our house to look around our house to decide if it was worth taking. And as I watched my husband direct this person around the house, he said, well, you see the crack in the ceiling here and the water stain there. And, you know, there's um, a crack in the foundation here. He kept trying to point out the flaws to keep the number down as low as possible. I'm thinking I'm pregnant and I'm going to be living on the street and my child will be raised in a cardboard box. Right. The bank guy took pity on us and the small business administration decided not to take our house. And my husband negotiated so that he could pay back, I think it was 10 cents on the dollar by selling the building, selling the equipment, selling whatever he could to satisfy the people that we had borrowed the money from. You would think I'd never wanna be in business after that experience. But what it taught me, quite honestly, is that if I didn't have the money to pay for something, there was no way I was ever going to take out a loan, regardless. I didn't want to face interest rates. I didn't want to face payments. I didn't want to face that stress. Uh, I did start my own business approximately seven years after that, working with trial attorneys, testifying as an expert witness in nursing malpractice cases. And I did that for two years. And then one day an attorney called me and he said, I have an emergency room case for you to review nurse Iyer. In his mind, a nurse is a nurse is a nurse. I was a med but I was a medical surgical nurse, never worked in the ER, never uh, felt competent to testify about an emergency room case, but I connected him to one of my colleagues who was a well-qualified emergency department clinical specialist. I put him together and then the light bulb went over my head that said, well, if he settles this case or wins this case a trial, he makes money. She makes money because she's billing him directly. Then I asked a critical question. What, is, what if there is a business, could there be a business by putting together expert witnesses and attorneys, and I would be a broker, and I would bill for their services and take money from the attorney, pay the expert, and keep the difference. And it turned out there was a huge business. There was a huge need for that service. So that's how my legal nurse consulting business began. Interesting, because coming from, and, and you said when you made the decision to borrow the money, um, I don't know if you just said it now or you told me the other day, it's you've, you and your husband felt that was the right thing to do. There was no question in your mind, you were making the right decision. And as you fast forward now, seven years and this opportunity comes up, did you have that same feeling that, hey, there's something here and I got to go do it? Because that's one of the traits of an entrepreneur is you see an opportunity and you capitalize on it. Was there an instant recognition or was there a little ping in you saying, hey, this is another business. Do we want to do this? There was more of an instant recognition. I went to a seminar that was taught by a nurse who explained the career opportunities for nurses that did not involve taking care of patients, like utilization management or case management or being an expert witness. I had no idea that nurses went into the courtroom to testify 
about nursing malpractice cases. And when she told us what was involved, I thought that sounds intriguing. It's analytical, you get to write reports. I wasn't too crazy about the testifying part. The cross-examination is grueling and you have to learn strategies to hold your ground. But the idea of working with attorneys then took me out of my job commuting across the state of New Jersey every day in heavy traffic, an hour and a quarter of rush hour traffic with tractor trailers tailgating you at 65 miles an hour. That wore on me after a year. I didn't think it would, but it, it got to me after a while. So when I found out about this, I thought I could put together bits and pieces. Your listener may think about situations of starting a business where you've got several services and you put them together. And then after a while, the expert witness work and working with attorneys rose to the top and the other types of things that I was doing, such as teaching seminars and consulting in hospitals and writing books, those things became less prominent except for writing books. I have written 50 books as of now. But that, and, and I should say for the sake of people thinking about writing a book as part of a business plan, that my first book, which was a nursing textbook, got me the expert witness work, which then led to me starting my business. So I know I just threw a whole bunch of things out at you, Adam. <laughs> no, but I appreciate it. That's, that's the fun of these conversations because now I get to pick which direction I want to go. We're definitely going to get to the books. And that's going to be a big portion uh, in just a minute. But I wanted to, a couple things. So you were talking, you found this opportunity where you could be a consultant and there, were, there was a niche available to you. Um, so one, was there uh, any delay, any question in your mind of, you were a trained nurse, that's what you went to school for, that's what you practiced, that's what you knew. Owning a business, you co-owned one with your husband, but it was really his business. How did you translate the um, serving mentality of a nurse to the sometimes selfish need of a business owner to find opportunity and to make it work and to push through and to negotiate contracts. How is the transition to being a business owner for you? You know, when you have bills to pay, you think about what is the best way to generate income. I knew that I could work in a hospital at $30 an hour, or I could work for an attorney and I could be paid $200 an hour. It wasn't really a tough decision. <laughs> I was being rewarded for all the years that I spent taking care of patients. I was being rewarded for my analytical skills, my writing skills, my master's degree in nursing, um, my ability to communicate. Nurses are great entrepreneurs. Of course, many people are great entrepreneurs, but nurses in particular are great entrepreneurs because we are taught how to communicate with people. When you come in the hospital and you are sick, you want somebody who can understand you and accept you no matter who you are. I got trained to take care of and communicate with people from all walks of life with all levels of intelligence and feeling like crap most of the time. So if you can take care of sick patients, you can certainly work with trial attorneys 
and be a savvy business owner. It, ultimately, being an entrepreneur is about being able to connect with people. The people who can't connect with people are the ones who prefer to connect with their computers or machines or are not in front-facing jobs. Understood, understood. We're talking with Pat Iyer here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Pat, you mentioned as we transition from your your business that you had working with trial attorneys to you were able you were able to sell that business and then transition to helping people in a different way in and and it really came back to writing books. You started your first book which gave you the personal credibility to work with attorneys and you kept writing throughout what was it about books that attracted you and what was it about books that showed you there's another, there's another opportunity, a, a, second, um, a second business in you going forward? The books are really the gateway. They are the, the doorway to opportunities that you can't imagine. They are opportunities for online courses, for speaking engagements, for um, being invited to be on podcasts. It's a way for you to have visibility and authority and credibility. I like the creative process. I like to learn. I like the process of putting information together and organizing it. That's the way that I'm wired. I, I would say probably much more left brain than right brain. It, but it's another way to help people. You don't have any idea whose lives you're going to touch with your books. And I know you've written books, Adam, and people know your name because of your book who would never would have met you in any other way. It's interesting that you say that because uh, no matter what I've done in my career, no matter how people know me, when you, they know that I have books and I've got a couple of books and, and a couple more ready to go it's a whole different you can see it in their eyes that you're an author um have you done any any soul searching or digging or even research into why is it that author which obviously authority um <laughs> is from or the or vice versa why is it that people are so enamored with authors and they're they're put on such a pedestal that is a great question. I've seen that same light in people's eyes. When I was the editor of a book for our legal nurse consulting profession, it was the core curriculum. People would come up to me and say, oh, you're Pat Iyer. You wrote the Bible. And I got used to it after a while. The first time it happened to me, I'm thinking, the Bible? No, I think that's a different book. That's not me. <laughs> There's some cachet. You're right, Adam. Where it comes from, maybe it's from our role growing up when we get exposed to textbooks at very early ages. We're taught to treat them well. I don't know about you, Adam, but I know in my school, you know, our textbooks were inspected. After we finished using them, we had to turn them back in. Now they're all probably all online. There's nothing to inspect. But you had to treat them well. You had to cover them and protect them. It could be our conditioning from when we were kids. Yeah, it's possible. It, it, it's interesting. Uh, maybe there's a book in that. Maybe we can, we can do some research <laughs> and figure out why people um, trust authors better than others. 
So I have a belief that, and this has probably been in taught to me, told to me, that there are three types of authors. Those who just sit down and start writing, those who have a book in them and are trying to figure out how to get it out, and those who don't know yet that they have a book in them until they realize their expertise that somebody else shows them. So in those, those three types of people, um, you obviously were the first one, right? You had a book and you just sat down and, and you wrote it. Um, mine uh, came later. It was like, I had all this information and I finally just put it down on paper. So I'm sort of that middle category it was in me forever and someone had to drag it out. And then the third group are people who uh, they don't know they've got the expertise until someone points it out or someone helps them along the way. You work with those second two groups. You help people get that story out of them and you show people that they have a story. How did you start from writing your own books to supporting entrepreneurs in getting their story out and showing them how to utilize the power of authority and being an author? It started with a good colleague of mine who I met through National Speakers Association in 2008, who had an idea for a book and approached a book agent and the agent said, I've seen your proposal, you need help with writing, I'll do this for you and I'll charge you $30,000. And my friend said, mm, I don't think I wanna spend that much money this was probably five years ago. It's still a lot of money today. Yep. It was a lot of money then. And he turned to me and he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I'll do it for you and I won't charge you $30,000. And he said, deal. So I saw the opportunity. I liked working with him. I ghost wrote two books for him from that point. The publisher was thrilled with what we turned in for the first book and came to him and asked him to do a second book. And then people started saying to me, I've written my book. I know I need an editor. Could you please edit this book for me? So I started editing books in addition to ghostwriting. Again, it, it's a creative process, Adam, and that's what fuels me. I love to see when people have knowledge, they want to share and they need some assistance to shape it so that they're proud of it or pull it out of them. Uh, and I don't mean to say pull it out as if like extracting a baby, that sounds rather torturous, but sometimes you just need another person because you're too close to your material and you can't see it a different way. But I think the biggest tragedy is the fourth category that you talked about that you didn't mention, Adam, which is the people who have something to share and they can't get it out in any form or, which is even worse, they almost complete their book and it sits on their hard drive and they're scared because they're a perfectionist. Is it any good? Is the world gonna judge me harshly? Am I going to look like a fool? Maybe I can't write. It would be better if I just leave it on my computer and not be criticized than to put it out. That's the worst. And I know there are a lot of people that have, there are probably people listening that, that have that book. They've started it, it. It's out there, but they don't know what to do with it. Or they're, I mean, there are a lot of people who, you know, won't go on a podcast like this because they're scared that they're going to sound stupid, let alone putting a book out there in print for 
you know, no one to buy, quote unquote. And um, so it's an outstanding service that you provide. It's a confidence builder for business owners, but you also beyond just doing the, the editing and the ghostwriting, you show people how to utilize their book better. You have a podcast that talks about writing to, to build your business and writing to make money. And so that's a separate side of the business. When you, you first started ghostwriting, how did it turn into, maybe it was your consulting background. Now you're consulting with business owners on how to utilize their book in a better way. The book is only the beginning. I shared with you, Adam, an example of a book that I wrote a couple months ago for a conference that was canceled. The book was $29. I turned that book into $6,600 in 20 days by putting an online course together from the content. If I'd gone to the conference, I might have sold 10, 15 copies of that book. So the payback was much higher. When you take that content and you put it into an online course where people have an opportunity to interact with you, it has a much higher perceived value. I have told people jokingly that I've made about 35 cents an hour on royalties from the publishers I worked with, but I have made millions of dollars because of the doors that were open to me because I wrote books. And that came from speaking, from working with trial attorneys. My business billed more than a million dollars a year the last five years that I owned it. So was it worth putting my first book together and becoming an expert witness and taking the risk of going into a courtroom where you could, you, the attorney's job in cross-examination is to make you look like a fool. Was it worth that risk? You know, absolutely. I trained from that first emergency room nurse who I connected with that plaintiff attorney. She became the first expert who I signed up to provide services for my company. I then trained a total of 200 people and that's why the business became saleable five years ago because I had a stable of expert witnesses who all had that capability of generating income for my company. When I met with my business broker and I explained the business, I said, you know, we keep 50 cents of every dollar that we bill. And he said, say that again. I said, 50 cents. He said, do you know how uncommon it is to operate with that kind of a profit margin? And I said, well, it sounded like a good number to me. And <laughs> I, and my experts accepted it and we help them give them work and it supports our overhead. So it turned out to be a very good model that then provided lots of income for the, the experts who provided services for our company. That's fantastic. And there's, pro there's probably a book in, in, in that story as well. Um, with a lesson or two from that business that, that now you're taking not only into your new business, but you're helping your new business owner authors with. What are some things that you learned from the, the expert witness business from a business standpoint that now you're able to use and pass on that you might never have had had you not done that business in the first place? I think as a business owner, you have to be prepared for a lot of hiring and firing. That expression of uh, fire quickly, hire slowly comes to, to mind. There were some people who I hired in my business who were not suited for my business and 
I should have fired some of the people sooner than I did. Holding on and hoping that they're going to get better is a problem for a business owner. I got better at it over time, and I was able to more quickly turn people out of the business who didn't belong there. Another lesson that I think is critical is to focus on your customers instead of always continually trying to bring new people into the company as customers. There's a danger in having all your eggs in one basket. That is absolutely true, and I don't want to minimize that. There was a change in the personal injury law in New Jersey that overnight changed the number of cases that were coming into my primary customer's company. And if I had relied on him as my only customer, I would have been out of business. So you always have to bring in new people. But I spent a lot of money advertising and one day I totaled it all up and I realized I was spending about $10,000 a year putting ads in print journals when I was getting maybe three or four calls a year as a result of that. What if I took that $10,000 and paid attention to the people who were coming back to my company over and over again? We created a champion customer list and gave them special attention, kept in touch with them more, gave them some leeway on some of our guidelines and procedures, made them feel special, made new people, new customers feel special. That probably added another quarter of a million dollars a year to my business just by focusing out that $10,000 that I was spending on advertisements and putting it on my key customers, paying attention to them, that was huge for me. And I carry that lesson on. I think it made, it would make a difference in anyone's business is to figure out by volume, who are your key customers, know them by name. All my staff were trained. They knew the list of those people. When a, an attorney called from that law firm, one of our champion customers, there was a different tone in their voice than if, it, if that person was, you know, an occasional user of our services. Yeah, I, lo I love that point. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody along those same lines that um, your best customers will, are buying things from others they could be buying from you. And if you pay a little more attention and understand how you can serve them more, you can convert business, you can convert new business. So I, I, I love that point. And I think you, you showed it a little bit earlier where your first ghostwriting client did another book with you because you took such good care of him. And for those of you who haven't written a book yet, once you do, um, you, you don't stop. It's not a, a <laughs> one and done kind of, a, kind of a thing. You have new ideas and, and, it, and it grows. So as, as we wrap up, Pat, I want to bring it back to, to the, the writing side of it in sort of a two-part question. Somebody's got a book in them and they've been talking about it and talking about it and they just haven't done it. What's your, your best advice to, that you've seen to get them off the, off the block, off the chair, whatever, whatever the saying is. And then someone's got a book and they're not utilizing it. It's not, they're not getting um, the benefit that they probably should. And 
from their expertise. So how do people get going in your experience and what do people do with a book if they're not getting benefit from it? Uh, you know, there's an expression that we only change when it becomes too painful to stay where we are. One of the ways to get that book started is to tell people you're writing a book. <laughs> so they say, hey, Adam, how's that book coming? And you don't want to keep saying, mm, haven't started it yet. Knowing clearly who you're writing the book for, who's your ideal reader, helps know as much as you can about that person, their, their needs, challenges, frustrations, problems, and how you can solve them. That's critical to have a focus because you can spend a lot of time wandering around in the forest if you don't know where the path is. And then in terms of utilizing your book, I think there's an expression that says writing the book is the easy part, marketing it is the hard part. You have, as your author, as an author, you think, oh, I'm done. You know, it's, I'm going to put it on Amazon. It's just going to sell itself. Even if you go to a traditional publisher, it's not going to sell itself without you helping to promote it. So it's constant promotion. It's talking about it on podcasts. It's putting links in blogs. It's making sure that it's in your signature line. It's doing YouTube videos that cover snippets of it. You can get a tremendous number of videos out of a chapter, just three key points. It's constant promotion, but then it's what we talked about earlier, Adam, is where does that book position you in your business? Are you looking for coaching clients? Are you looking for speaking opportunities? It's those bigger opportunities that give you the revenue. It's not the $18 that you make when you sell your book on um, Amazon or on your website, <clears throat> depending upon your pricing. It's not the book sales themselves. It's the opportunities that are opened because of your book. And you always have to keep talking about your book. I love it. And that's why we have experts like yourself who know this industry to remind us that it's not about the book. It's about everything else. And you've proven that in coursework that you've created in teaching, in monetization and in, in coaching. So I appreciate Pat, you taking some time to talk through not only your journey, which is fascinating and, and, um, great to hear the successes you've had, but also what you're doing now in writing and helping business owners become authors. Thanks for telling us that story and for being here on the show. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it, Adam. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA. Look forward to having you all on the next episode. And You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.